Welcome to the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally. This podcast is brought to you with thanks to Morrissey Motors. Let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors, Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly, award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today. And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined by legendary Kilkenny, former Kilkenny goalkeeper, of course, PJ Ryan. PJ, good evening. How are you, Eddie? I'm very good, thanks. And yourself? Not so bad. Yeah, Introduction there, we started on a high PJ, it's all downhill from here for you. <laughs> PJ, it's, it's, it's obviously a very t- a tough time for everybody at the moment with the whole COVID restrictions, but I'm sure the last number of weeks have been quite exciting for yourself in, in your role as a Games Development Officer with Kilkenny GA. Yeah, look, it was. We've been lucky enough where we have a great relationship with the school uh, within the county, so fair to all the schools um, you know they've let us in under the current restrictions um, you know we're very grateful to the schools for letting us to call in uh, all, the, all the lads that are coming out playing the boys and girls around to Kenny they're all delighted to get out and out in the fresh air and have a few pucks and just play the game you know and it was then follow on from that then the announcements over the last few weeks that you know the, the underage players could go back training and then the adult uh, training can begin then uh, next week in earnest so look it's all positivity all around now at the minute and it was everybody is just looking forward to getting back out and getting playing and you have Kilkenny out then hurling at the weekend against Dublin and that's the, the start of the league and I suppose everyone is looking forward to that as well so look at the, at the minute the, the GA is doing a lot for, for the community and look you can just even talk to people you know with the matches coming up and stuff um, you know everyone is in, is in better form and I suppose they have weather like today then as well that that all in and, it, and it's just no, very positive at the moment and PJ it's just one of the things I, we kind of hear an awful lot about at the moment is kids not getting enough exercise not getting out and playing enough and you know just being involved in sports you, you, you hear an awful lot about children kind of sitting at home playing Xboxes and things like this but I just wondered you know when the kids came back after kind of the prolonged lockdown and you got back into the schools for the first time you know I'm sure they were really excited to get back out and get going but had you noticed that children starting to become a little bit more stiff, I suppose is the right way, to, if, if it's the right way to phrase it, but had they become a little bit kind of lazy in themselves over the lockdown or do you think were they working on their own abilities at home or what was happening? Ah, yeah, look, certainly they were, you, you know, they were working away on their own. Uh, what we used to do, we used to record our uh, sessions at home here and we'd send them to the teachers in the school and the headmasters who put it up on their... Uh, Seesaw app, I think the app is called Seesaw, and then the kids would log into it and, and they would um, just mimic what we were doing on screen as well. Look, and the likes of TJ Reid had his own PE classes there on a Friday, which got a huge response as well. So I know the clubs, look, the clubs were, were doing various bits and pieces and, and doing skills challenges, etc. in their gardens. And, you know, I got, out, got the kids out playing and I suppose, look, they were delighted to get back out in their schools and Kenny, young lads always love hurling, love playing sports. So you know, they, you could see that they they done a little bit when they were out as well, you know. And they didn't stay in playing the Xbox 
the whole time, you know. And look, there's nothing wrong with playing a bit of Xbox every now and again, but um, they, you know, they're, they're, you could see that they were out playing and practicing on their own. And and PJ, like, just if you take back to when you were seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, starting out uh, in hurling, the, the the training methods that you're bringing to the table now, like. It, they're probably so far different to what was happening 30 years ago or 34 years ago. Like, is there a massive change in the way we, we teach kids now how to play hurling and how we approach the game and approach the basic skills? Um, look, I think there's a lot more emphasis on coaching the, the, the kids now. I suppose back when I was seven or eight, which is not today or yesterday, I suppose all we had was to play with hurling and soccer, you know, and if Wimbledon was on the telly, you made up a tennis court down somewhere and you had a game of tennis when the Grand National was on we used to go over to the back of Quinlan's house and put up fences up there and, and, and jump around over them but these days now kids have the choice of stuff that they can do you know whether it's swimming or cycling or you know music or dance classes whatever the case may be and you know so I think now there has to be more emphasis on, on, on uh, coaching when you have their kids in the field because I suppose they're not out every day uh, just doing hurling and soccer or whatever the case may be and in our case uh, hurling you know so I think there has to be more of an emphasis uh, put on coaching and getting them down to the field to coach but in saying that at that age group you know it's, it's all about having fun and when I was 7 or 8 I suppose we had Dean Broderick down teaching us and coaching us and all the lads in the club and look we remember that from having about having fun it wasn't just about hurling, it was about having fun. And I see the sessions in the club there and any of the clubs that I'm in, you know, at that age, and it's all about kids having fun. So, look, in that respect, I don't think a lot has changed, but, but certainly there's a more emphasis on having to try and get them down to the field because maybe it's not done on their own maybe as much. And and just just with hurling itself, it's, it, it, it's something that you kind of hit on and it's, and it's something I kind of remind players in our own club as well, is, you know, as kids you just do it for the crack and you do it to enjoy yourself and and we'd kind of hope that you know coaches wouldn't be overburdening kids with you know tactical you know setups and, and you know because I think what sometimes happens with coaches is that there's a fear that they watch TV and they see Wexford playing Kilkenny and they see Wexford playing with a sweeper system and Kilkenny playing with something else and then they go down into an under 10s field and they think you know let's work the short puck outs and, and, and things like this is it something that you you do see happening in hurling at that level? Is are coaches really focused on the fun side of it, or do you see see a bit of that where coaches are maybe looking at the tactical side of it probably too early for kids? Ah no, look at that at, at anything from down to say up to under sixteen. I think um, most coaches focus on the fun element and just get the basics right and let them off to hurl and letting them to learn the game. So they, like you know, you never learn to hurl by being overcoached, like, you know, it's about getting out and making the mistake and, and learning from your mistake. But I suppose the way hurling is done now, I suppose there are tactics involved in it. And I think, like, from, you know, maybe 16, 17 on upwards, I suppose they kind of introduce them to, you know, the players to tactics. And then when they do really face into them when they come to play under 20 and, and with their other team, then that. Like they're not like a rabbit stuck in the headlights that it's the first time they've played against a sweeper like that. They'll have been introduced to in their teenage years and, and look they'll be able to, to be able to handle that and just throwing at them then when they come to the come to the adult hurling, you know. But uh certainly the way the GA have structured between the foundation awards 
uh, your award one and your award two coaching courses. Um, you know, a foundation award being the, 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 the first entry level into into your coaching course. Um, you know, we'd have it well structured on, on, you know, what should be coached to kids from the certain age groups and then uh, all the way up, you know. So there's no danger of anyone going down to the fields now and, and looking at Wexford playing and then coming back and trying to get their own team to, to play with the sweep, you know. And look, there's time enough introducing tactics and all that when they're 16 or 17 years of age. And just to take you away from the kids' side of it there for a little bit, uh, PJ, we, we will stick on the tactical side of Hurland for a few minutes if you want before we, we... I want to have a talk to you about your own playing days. But before we go into that, I just want to... Your reading of it, like you've you've been involved in the backroom team with Davy at Wexford, um, you know you've been playing adult hurling for a long time, and you're obviously involved with a good few clubs as well. Just just where hurling is at the moment, like is it shifted hugely towards a very tactical game now? Like, you know, there was a time where you'd watch a hurling match and it was kind of a wild game, ball went in and it was balls drilled the length of the field. Like, have you noticed the game changing to become very tactical at at the senior elite level? Ah, yeah, look. There's teams trying various different things, whether it's playing with an extra defender or maybe playing with three in the midfield or four across the half forward line. You know, and look, Hurling is just evolving and every game is evolving. You saw Gaelic football coming in with blanket defences, etc., etc. So, look, every game evolves. Like, if you look at the Premiership over in England, every team used to play with 4 4 2, and they would play with diamonds and whatever you want, you know, whatever they're talking about uh, in, in, in soccer as well. So, look, every game evolves, but. You know, uh, at the minute, I think um, Hurling has gone more into position. You know, when you have the ball, I suppose teams are trying to, to hold on to it more rather than driving it up the field and, and, and see what happens, you know, down the other end. But look, at someday another team will come along and they'll start pulling on the ball on the ground like actually did in the 80s. And they might come along and win an All-Ireland. Then everyone will start pulling it on the ground. And it's just what's in vogue at the moment. And, you know, styles move on all the time, you know. So look, there'll come a day where where we look back on the hurling now and we'll say, geez, how did we, we ever go down that road? But look, the hurling involves, that's the style that's in play at the moment and teams have to adapt and, and, and try and deal with it now. And if we take, the team that we all have to strive to, to take down now is Limerick because obviously they're the All-Ireland champions and, and they're setting the benchmark at present. If, if you were setting out a stall to take on Limerick tomorrow, what way would you approach that? Is is there is there a way in your mind that you'd say, look, this is this is the key areas that we need to focus on? I look at, you know, Limerick are a fantastic team, and you know they have a good bench to come in as well. Like they have the subs to to bring in when things aren't going right. But like, how would you try and conquer them? Like two years ago, Kenny went up to Pro Park and absolutely tore into them, and you have no time and on the ball and was hunted and hounded in packs and, and, and won the day. So, I mean, if I was over a team, like, I'd be putting a man on a man and you'd be kind of saying to him, you, if you get the better of your man, you'll win the match like what Kenny did two, two years ago. And that's the way I'd approach it. And look, they're all Ireland champions, but certainly if you were on the team that was facing into Limerick, you'd be rubbing your hands together for a week, looking forward to getting that from, you know. And I think that's the way every team will approach Limerick this year, you know. And look, they have a big target on their back and, like the last time they were all Ireland champions, like Kenny beat them the year after, so they're all Ireland champions again. So look, they'll, everyone will be aiming for Limerick, and look, it's all, it bodes well for a, a big championship and one that we're all looking forward to. But uh, yeah, look, just the tactic of tearing into them and 
no, trying to stop their key men from playing. That's that's the way you have to go about Limerick, I think. And like as a goalkeeper, I think Limerick. I, I, I'm open to be correct on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm, uh, Limerick won a, a Munster final, an All Ireland semi final, and an All Ireland final without scoring a goal. Um, and it it seems the way that they set up that there's not a huge emphasis on goals that they they've they've seemed to kind of pick out their sharpshooters to forty fifty yards from the goals and strike it over the bar. Is, is that something that you see? Like I remember as a young lad, we were always told take your points and the goals will come, but. There was still an emphasis of getting the ball into the full forward line to try and get goals. Limerick, even though they have a deadly full forward line, they seem to be happy to pop balls over the bar from 50, 60 yards all day. Yeah, which are, uh, I suppose, even just thinking back last year's All-Ireland, uh, Limerick might have scored a goal, but they certainly looked like if they had to want to get one or really needed to get one, that they could have got one. You know, I know uh, Stephen O'Keefe made a couple of great saves in goal, but there were a couple of times where they were kind of half through for a goal chance and they slapped the ball over the bar and I suppose if you're scoring 30 and 31 and 32 points in a, in a championship match you know you probably don't really need a goal to go beside it to, to, to win the game you know but I would feel with Limerick if they really had to go for it and if they were behind in a match you know some of them half chances that they're creating I, I think they would really go for it you know so look they have deadly forwards and you know, they might have scored a goal last year, but as I said, when you're putting 30-plus points over the bar, you know, you don't really need a, a goal to go beside it. It takes an awful big score down the other end to try and beat you. And it wouldn't it wouldn't worry you, like, if, if you think back to the Kilkenny teams that were dominating, you know, Kilkenny were known for their fast starts, balls fired into the likes of Taggy in the full forward line, cutting in and blasting goals, Eddie Brennan getting them early in games, Martin Comerford early in games. Would it? Would it? You wouldn't have any concern. I know you're saying that you feel that if Limerick needed a goal, they'd get a goal. But by continually just knocking over the points, do you feel that there is not a fear that someday when they actually require a goal, that there might be a situation where you're saying, "Jesus, you know, we haven't had a strike at the goal or went for a goal clinically for the last three or four games, and now we need one, and we've three or four minutes to get it." Ah, look at it. that happens in every hurling match, like where you, you know you. They might need a, they might need a goal, and like I mean, they were up in Turles one year, and Owen Murphy was absolutely outstanding in goal. And like if you meet a goalkeeper on farm like that uh, of a day, you know, you could have twenty shots, and you might get any goal, you know. But I just feel with Limerick, like they have the class forwards and they have the, the method of play, and look, the forwards get a lot of ball, and look, they do take the points from from out the field. But I just think with Limerick, you know, they have the class forwards that if they really needed to get a goal or if they were down in a match that they could, that, you know, they do work to have chances. Sometimes they're just content to put the ball over the bar because because they're ahead. But I think if they were behind, they would go for the juggler and they certainly have the players that are capable of sticking the ball in the back of the net at any stage, you know. So, look, at it, if I was over in Limerick, I'd be very, very happy and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too concerned about not scoring a goal because, look, at the lads are very, very accurate from out the field and, and like the likes of Aaron Glan inside too and he gets the ball from anywhere from 30, 40 yards out, you know, the umpires raise, going for the high flag before he even strikes it, you know, they're that accurate. But look, again, they're there to be shot down and, you know, someone, everyone will have a right cut off him this year. So we'll just wait and see what happens, you know. But uh, certainly for John Kiley and his backroom team, you'd be, you'd, you'd be happy in the position they're in at the minute. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're probably the camp we'd all like to be in or, or at least have the, the army that they have at their disposal. Um, just talk to me a little bit about your your time with Wexford. You joined the, the Goalkeepers Union of Ireland there yourself and, and, and Davy Fitz there uh, down down at Wexford. An enjoyable experience, I'm sure. Ah, yeah, look, it was great. Look, you know, they're, 
Wexford people are nice people anyway, so, so it's no it's no different when you went into the, the the squad of players down there. You know, they're uh, very sound fellas and made me feel most welcome down there. You know, and look, Davy and his back from the team, like they, they leave no stone stone unturned, and they're after doing a, a great job down in Wexford, like the one last final there. I think two years ago, so they might not have hit the heights last year, and but again, look, they'll be a, a force we reckon with. I, I think this year in Leinster. Um, you know, it was a really, really enjoyable time down there. I uh, learned an awful lot from from Davy and his background team, you know, in terms of, like, I wouldn't have been involved, I suppose, in that side of, of coaching the team. Like, to be fair, when, for all my career, all we used to do was turn up the train and the balls were there, the water was there, everything was there, you just went out and hurled. But it was, it was good to see the other side of it and what goes into the other side and the, the time that goes into the other side, you know, and to be fair to the, the great setup down there. And, um, Look, they'll be they'll be a hard note to crack again this year for anybody. And how how did it come about that that you got involved there with with Davy and his backroom team? Jeez, I believe I just got a random phone call. Actually, with Shane, I was working with Shane there at the time. I just got a random phone call one day and worked to see uh, would it be interested in going down. So I spoke to a few people about it, and Jeez, um, they said to me, "You want to be mad not to?" So I rang back Davy and said, look, I'd, I'd, I'd be involved, you know, because we're going down to an inter-county team and everyone, we have 30, 35 lads, really good hurlers, all trying to get on the team, all trying to get on the panel. So look, the likes of the training sessions that were down there and the matches in training were savage, you know, and it's just a very enjoyable experience. And as I said, I just got a random phone call. I don't know how it came about really, but I got the phone call and thought about it and spoke to a few, uh, as I said, few people who told me, look, you don't be mad to turn down the opportunity. So I went on and, and went down to Wexford and I'm you know, I'm glad I did do it, you know, but um you know, I enjoyed my time down there. And would you have a standout moment maybe in the time that you're involved with with Wexford, a standout moment for yourself, um, in, in any of the games or that that, that, that there was a day that kinda of you you know, your chest was out coming back in off the field saying that was a, a really good day? Ah, sure, look, any any day you go out and and, and the team performs or you work on something in training and it comes off from a match. So there were, look, there were several days that that you'd be delighted coming out of the match. Uh, you know, that's something that you worked on. Um, you know, it came off in the match. Uh, I suppose, you know, the, the 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 one day that we did play Kilkenny in Wexford Park, I suppose, Wexford played Kilkenny in Wexford Park. I mean, I was, uh, you know, happy for the Wexford lads that they won, but I was also as a Kilkenny man and a, a Kilkenny supporter very disappointed for the Kilkenny boys. You know, so that. On that day, you know, it, it was a kind of a mixture of emotions. So, you know, that I suppose it might be a standout moment. But it was probably the hardest day, I suppose, I probably ever had in Hurland because, look, I'm a Kenny man and hurled for Kenny. But just for one hour, I suppose, I, I, I had to be uh, fully behind the Wexford lads at that time, you know. But, you know, the, you know, every day you go out and you see a team playing well, you know, it's a standout, it's a standout day. I, I was at that game in Wexford Park um, that day actually uh, I was on the way home from a Camogie game and we went into that game straight after it and like it was a sellout Wexford Park it was I, I don't know Wexford were starved of a big day I, I think it might be maybe I'm being a bit unfair but I, I genuinely felt Wexford were starved of a really really big day and and that day they got it I remember Lee Chin made a couple of monstrous fields uh, out, the, out the field made a couple of unbelievable catches but the whole atmosphere was just 
it was just electric like it really really was it was a brilliant it was a brilliant spectacle and I remember the Wexford fans on the pitch after the game and the whole lot but I, I, I did think about it on the way home in the car for, for you yourself like you must be on one side of the coin absolutely thrilled for the lads that you're working with the lads you're training that they've had that day and at the same time in the back of your mind you're you're feeling really really bad for your 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 friends and colleagues and former teammates and former backroom team you know the likes of Brian you know it must have been a very strange feeling ah, it was a, it was a strange feeling like you know as I say I was given a couple of days a week going down and and, and weekends you know going down to Wexford so you know in that respect you know you're happy for the lads because they're at, you see the effort they're after putting in but you know as a Kilkenny man and as a Kilkenny player or a Kilkenny supporter as I am now you know, it was a disappointing thing, you know, for, you know, you know, you kind of feel a bit wrong, for want of a better word of, of, of describing it, you know, but, um, yeah, look, it was a weird one, and, you know, that's just what happened on the, at the time, you know, and I look, I'm not the first lad that was ever involved against their own team, and I won't be the last lad, but yeah, certainly it was, a, it was a, an awkward feeling, I suppose. And the, the, as just I I know myself because I get slagged in both counties whether I'm in Kilkenny or in Wexford I get slagged off from the Wexford people telling me I'm from Kilkenny and the Kilkenny people telling me from I'm from Wexford and I'm actually from neither county I'm from Westmead but I get murdered by both counties whenever I'm down with either of them but I I, I do I did wonder the following week of training did a few of the lads give it to you as well or was it just all forget about it I mean move on as in your own players at Wexford at the time no no there was no mention of it at all like they had a Leinster final to prepare for so you know again it was only a you know to the match that they won and then they had to prepare for, for Galway so it was quickly forgotten about uh, in the extra camp that time No fair enough and then PJ just not specifically to that, that Wexford team but specifically to Hurling at the moment in drawing a comparison to when you played in goal yourself the, the emphasis on the puck out now I almost ache in goalkeepers now to a quarterback in American football. The the focus that's put on a keeper's puck out, and even with pundits after games, statisticians after games, puck outs retained. The pressure on a goalkeeper to be precise with his puck outs, really importantly, especially with short puck outs, the game has really evolved that the keeper's role is now, I would say, 50%, maybe 40% shot stopping and 60% their puck out. Yeah, well, look, it was... Statisticians, it's, it's, it's they love the, the kind of stuff, you know. But look, with the puck out, I suppose there's a bit, a lot more emphasis on it now. Um, you know, especially like if you have extra lads back defending the puck out or whatever, you know, that you have to go short with the puck out. But like sometimes you could have puck outs retained and you know, one eighty percent of your puck outs, but like they could be all out to your corner back, and, and what happens from there, you know, is, is the next question. But uh, Look, Don Log was deadly on him when we were playing, you know, and Cluxton then when the football kind of put the emphasis on, uh, you know, on, on the restart. So, um, you know, in my time, you just cut it out as far as you could and get it away from your own goal. And look, sometimes there's a lot to be said for that too, you know. But, um, you know, there is a bit, a lot more emphasis on it, uh, the way teams are playing, I suppose. They're trying to keep possession. And if you puck out the ball long all the time, I suppose, it's a 50-50 one down the far end of the field. So, but look at, it has a drawback too, you know, and goalkeepers need a lot of confidence because, look, if you're playing short or you're trying to drill ones to add 60 or 70 yards away, look, it can be intercepted and could be going back over your head before you even have time to change the hurry. Like, you know, so, look, you have to be confident and you have to, 
you know, if things go wrong, you have to, you know, have the, the nick to stay going at it and, and just have the bottle to keep keep doing it, you know. So, because, especially when there's a crowd in a match, you'll hear the groans of a crowd if the thing is going wrong. So, look, you can't let it put you off. And if that's the way your team is trying to play, you know, you're going to have to try and persist with it. And when, you, when you're in the goal yourself and you're playing, like, with your own puck out, when you were playing yourself specifically, like, if you're drilling a ball 80, 90 yards and it's going to the right half forward position and you're retaining the possession, like, the keeper now should be able to read what's happening in front of him on the field. He should know where, you know, when you played yourself, I'm sure if you drove three balls down the left-hand side and the three of them came back at you, you probably switched to the right-hand side straight away. Um, you know, is it is it the, an awful lot of this on the keeper's shoulders or is it the tactic that's set up going out onto the field? I mean, if if you're in goal tomorrow for Kilkenny and you're told to go short puckouts for the for the game and we want you hitting the two cornerbacks or the two wingbacks and they're not retaining the possession, you know, would you would you want your keeper to start going along with that puck out? Um, so look, I suppose if your if your tactic was to puck the ball to the cornerbacks or the halfbacks and they weren't retaining the possession. And if you were getting the ball to him, sure look, I suppose, the next thing you do then is put in someone that will retain the possession, you know, you know, at the bench, you know. So if that's your plan and that's the one you're going to stick to, I suppose, the cornerbacks and the halfbacks will have to be comfortable on the ball, number one, you know. Otherwise, you're not knocking poking to him in the first place. So I think um, personnel comes a lot in, comes into play in, in puck outs as well because if you have three lads in the half hour line that are six foot plus, it wouldn't be much fun poking it to the corner back now, you know, so you might as well put it down on top of them. Look, it depends on, on the situation and who you're facing and how they're, they're set up, you know, because you're poking it long and you're winning it long, why would you poke a charge, you know? And likewise, if you're poking it long and you're getting bits of the long ball, so you'd have to go poking a charge. So, suppose you read the thing and when you're playing and you're... You know, as you say, you see the thing in front of you and you know where you're winning and you know where you're losing it. So you poke it where you're winning and you don't where you're losing it. That's, that's how it is with puck outs, I suppose. And I, I don't know if it's if it's by design or if if, if 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 it just happened, but when I look back in your own career, like you played at centre-back for Kilkenny in the under-21 grade. Yeah. And when I look back at some of the Kilkenny goalkeepers, you, you were an outfield player with your club and centre-back for the under-21 team. Oh Murphy plays outfield for his club. James McGarry plays outfield for his club. How how does it that these lads all end up in goal with Kilkenny? Uh, look at it, suppose. When we were younger, we, we'd have all played in goal, you know. Like Owen would have said, or I know for myself, at 14 years of age, you might have played in goal minor or even under 21, maybe. You're not allowed to do that now, but at that time, that time we could. So we'd have all have, have dabbled in the goal. But then when you're playing in your own age group, you're, you'd be playing out the field, you know. So um, we just interchange between playing in goal and out the field, you know. And you know, everyone thinks, you know, and as you said yourself, there's a big emphasis on goalkeepers. Like, if was one time, you just, someone got put into goal and they kind of more or less, you know, ah, he's ready to stop a shot. So, We'll put him in the goal, but now I think goalkeepers, uh, you know, they do an awful lot of hurling with the ball now as well. Like they're like they're not like a, an extra defender, and you know they have to be well able to hold the same goal now these days. You know, so I suppose the likes of James and Owen, you know, they were yes, James was a fantastic hurler with the bridge, and Owen was outstanding out the field with Glenmore. So you know, them lads are well able to hurl. So you have to be able to. 
put a hurler in the goal. And I know sometimes that they say, say they might weaken down the team out the field, but you, know, you take the likes of Paul and the likes of James and the ring goal for the Kenny, you know, they'd be they'd be responsible for making two great saves and all that's six points, you know, and you'd have to weigh it up the other way with the staff six points or score six points down the other end of the field, you know. So I suppose that's the way teams weigh it up along, but uh, certainly those two lads you mentioned earlier were well able to hurl out the field and and, and, you know, it really helped them when they went into goal then as well. And when Brian, like, when Brian had brought you into the senior panel, like, when you're playing centre-back in one of the key positions on the under-21 team, like, did, did you go in to the Kilkenny panel, panel specifically as a kind of a third-choice keeper or second-choice keeper at the start, or were you playing outfield with them when you went in at that time? Uh, no, I, 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 you see, I was playing under-21 for Kilkenny centre-back. I was in, in goal here for the Phoenix, you know. Um, our own keeper, Alan Dean, got got injured so I just went into the goal then for having played a bit underage in goal and I did well in the championship then and I got called in and for trials with Kenny and got called in and played a couple of the league matches and was on the panel and off the panel for a while and then Kenny carried three goalkeepers and I was one of the three for a while and then I was I was in the panel then after that uh, full time for a number of years but uh, yeah I would have been playing on goal for my club and doing quite well at the time so that's how I got called in onto the, the senior panel. And and your time with the senior panel, um, you know, you, you, as you say yourself, you were in and out um, a, a quite a bit, I suppose. In some ways, you were probably unlucky as well that, you know, James McGarry was there at the same time as you and he was obviously a wonderful goalkeeper as well. Um, but, like, the culmination, and I don't want to kind of put your career onto one one game or one season, but you were the first Kilkenny goalkeeper to get an all-star I think since about 1992 or 93, Michael Walsh had got a goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper, I should say, to get an All-Star. Michael Walsh got it in 93, but 2009, like that All-Ireland final, it was, it was it, you know, it's kind of defined as, as a final that really went down in history for, for yourself, for your own performance that day. It must have, you know, it must have been a, a great feeling to have played in that game, the way you played, I should say. Ah, yeah, look, it was, it was a, great, a great feeling, I suppose, especially... Up this end of Oxford Kenny, you know, the rivalry with, with Tipperary is massive, you know, and I went to school in Titan Turles there as well, so I would know a lot of, a lot of people from, from Tipperary have relations and tips, so the whole build-up to it was savage, and I suppose it was the first time we had met in the All-Ireland Finals since 1991, and I suppose around here in Johnstone, when we were young lads, you know, and you'd be playing a game, you're always imagining you're scoring the winning point against tipping an All-Ireland Final, or making the winning save, or you know, and for us up here then, it was if you scored in a fight to beat Galway in a county final, and I would have been imagining if they beat the Phoenix, you know, they got to win a pint against the Phoenix, you know. So, you know, for for this end of the county, you know, the rivalry is huge, and there was this massive atmosphere up here. And, you know, for myself personally, then, just things went right on the day. I mean, a goal went in from a 65 in the All Ireland semi final against Watford, you know. And, was after about 20 minutes of, of the game a ball dropped in right under the crossbar and I put up my hurl and I brought it down it actually went behind me and I caught it behind me and hand passed it out and it was cleared off the field and from that minute on then everything kind of ticked into place but maybe if that one had to slip in under the bar again or if over the line things would have been a, a different you know but thankfully it went right in the day and I suppose I was picked on the goal to make a few saves and down the other end like Henry got the chance very dependent, you know, and he done his his job. So we all done our job that day, and we we done it we done it well. And look, it was great to get the result, and and you know, for myself, then you know, 
just to get the man of the match then was, was great as well. But you know that's you know that's how it went, and and and, and that's how I remember it anyway. The, the the joys of being a goalkeeper though, um, like you can be the hero once and the villain ninety nine percent of the time. It's just I always I always feel bad for goalkeepers because you can pull off three brilliant saves and then, as you said, let a ball in over your head from a sixty five and all them saves are forgotten and you are the clown that cost us the game or whatever you know. But do you remember your three previous games prior to that game against Tipperary? The three games you played against Tipperary, have you? Any recollection of how many goals went in in them three games, do you think? Oh, James, I played, I played in the league in all in Park, I think. It was either three or four went in. I played some kind of a, it was an, a charity match or some match up in Central Stadium again on Sunday evening. I think six went, could have went in that evening. You know, they were raining in goals. I think the time before that or the, or the middle of that, there was another three or four went in. So I had a great record against them coming up to it either. So, you know, um, <laughs> It was it was thirteen goals in three games Tipperary had put past you before that All Ireland final. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I was only <coughs> building up the conference. <laughs> I'd I'd say um, I'd say you know like but 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 genuinely like it's it's a confidence sport. I'm sure I I I've no doubt in my mind that didn't play in your mind on the All Ireland final day. No, but unfortunately they rattled in four I think the year after as well. So um, <laughs> I think the lads are, are are winning that particular. Record. But like in in a game in a game like that where it all where it all clicks right for you, they are seldom. Like they, games like that don't come around very often for goalkeepers. They, like there was, I know they've they've said it. There was four outstanding saves in the game that you made, but there was there was two saves that you know you'd no right to make if you know what I mean. There were there, there would have been on any other day of the week there would have been a goal and and no one would have been able to blame you like that. That doesn't happen very often. I'm sure, you know, you'd probably be able to count on one hand days that you've had like that in the goal. Ah, sure. Look, I look. They don't happen that that often, to be honest. Like you know, uh, that's something similar to you know, you take a forward there, and for some days they get a ball and just had the back to the goal and they poke it over the shoulder to go over the bar. And you know, the same thing happened for for goalkeepers as well. You know, I see David De Gea last night playing for United against Roma, and you know, in the first half alone, I think he made four or five outstanding saves. You know, so you, know, you just have days that these things happen for you. And, Luckily for me, it happened for me that day, and unfortunately, the year after, I I, I couldn't produce another one. You know. Yes, <clears throat> and like with, with with Brian Cody as at the helm there, and in your experiences working under Brian, you know, when the days didn't go to plan for you in the goal, say, you know, is Brian the type of manager kind of arm around the shoulder and and we go through it and and see how we fix it, or or what way was Brian's style kind of to talk to you after games where, where things hadn't gone right uh, look to be fair to Brian no matter if the thing went absolutely perfect and you were outstanding or it went horribly wrong Brian never really put too much emphasis on you know how the thing went you know he might have a word with you and when I say a word with you I could totally criticise him with you he just asked you how you feel and are you ready for the next day you know he'd never hold it again you really you know so be fair to Brian now, he was he, he was very good. And even after that match, you know, he was very good to me and asked me was you know, things okay and you know, not to let it upset you or whatever the, the word is like, not to let it get to you or not, don't mind what what people may say about you, you know, or you know, it's just the game and it happens in Ireland. To be fair to Brian, he was very supportive that way. And and, and, and supporters in general, um, PJ, like 
I see it regularly when, when teams win they're, they're queuing up to run over and get your autograph and, and pat you on the shoulder and say you're a great lad but are they are, 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 you know, are people in general when, when it's not you know when you have that day and it's not it's not been your day at the office you know what was the support network like in Kilkenny like what was reactions from people in Kilkenny was it generally head up we all move on together you know it's a team or, or not, not I'm on about players now I'm on about supporters in general or people you yeah, meet yeah. Ah, yeah, look, the supporters were great. Like, you know, we're after having a, a, a huge run and we're after winning four all earnings in a row, you know, so in fairness, the supporters do all. I won't say, you know, they were, I don't know the word I'm trying to say, they were gracious maybe and they were, they were, no, they were patting us on the back saying, look, geez, you gave us a great run and, you know, unfortunately, you didn't win today, you know, but there was no, there was no animosity towards anyone or no bad words said to any player, you know, so I think they were very appreciative of, of, the run that we were after doing and what it took to take that to make that run, you know. And 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 PJ, like, not, you're not just focused. You, you weren't, I shouldn't say, you weren't just always hurling, hurling, hurling yourself. Um, I I had the misfortune. I'm pretty sure of playing against you in a soccer match once uh-huh. with I think it was Spa United. Yeah, yeah, I played from all right. Yeah. yeah, you beat us in a cup match. I was playing with a team from Wexford called Bunclody, and you beat us five four in a cup match. Um, we didn't start well we thought you were going to be crap and then you were 4-0 up and uh, then we started coming back but I remember you were playing I think you were playing in the middle of midfield you were you were a pretty tasty soccer player uh, geez, I don't know if I was playing with five soccer now to be honest with you uh, look I, I, we used to play in the winter uh, to kind of keep ourselves taking over for for, for the you know the hurling season ahead but uh, yeah look I enjoyed playing with the lads so, you know we had a couple of right good teams and I suppose we probably could have won a few things along the way I suppose we won Division 1 and Division 1 Cup and we got a few great runs in the FAI Junior Cup we got to quarterfinals in that you know twice so um, you know we had a great bunch of lads that all came together at the same time and we're all handy at hurling and they're all handy at soccer and handy at any sport to play but uh, ah, yeah look I I wasn't the worst lad to ever tag out playing soccer but I wasn't by far the best lad either to be honest um, was it used purely your soccer was used purely for a bit of crack keep yourself fit for the hurling like is 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 that the way you did it like I mean I often wondered I remember that day leaving I was pretty annoyed that we'd been beaten but I remember leaving wondering to myself surely you know if we'd have got ye in four weeks later say you would have had to have been in training with Kilkenny and there was no way you were going to be playing against us with Spa United uh, well look at I used to take it very, very serious, like when I'd be playing, you know, and look, we might only get 10 games a year with the lads, but when I was playing, I was playing, you know, and like, the lads were training twice a week, I was down training twice a week with them, and, you know, I wouldn't dare go out on a Saturday night or anything like that before a match, so I took, you know, any sport I did, I, I took it very serious, but, you know, once again, then once, all the time, and start back with the you know, that was it, you were back, you were back training with the lads, and, I'm sorry, the, the soccer had to go on the, you know, it was that day. couldn't get hard in after that, you know. So we used to get from maybe September until, until late January, maybe when we go back training, and then, you, you know, the soccer was out the window then. And aside from the soccer, you know, with your own, you know, previous employment with the bank and, and whatnot, did you did you get involved in the interfirms? Um, what did I say? I said when I was also... Uh, when I was working in construction now, we had a team in, uh, Vinnie Carson had a team in from, uh, he was a great Valley Callum man, so I said on, on, on his team with the Interfirms, all right. And then 
with the bank then we had a team in the bank and we used to play the army once a year in a in a match then as well, you know, and that used to be a very competitive one as well. So yeah, look the bank had a, a good holding team, they had the likes of Henry and Jamie Connell and Tommy and guys like that on it, you know, so uh, a very good team and we, we had a couple of good matches especially the army alright. And you didn't get any of the lavish trips away like we, we, we spoke to Chap Clare last, last month and he got a lavish trip I think he said he went to Australia one time yeah, with them Australia yeah, no I went to them and uh, I often played in the bank at that stage no 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 it was it, it, it was, it was, it was long gone now I think yeah no it was just when he said it to us I kind of thought to myself Jesus I wish they worked in the bank but uh, it, it, that, that the, the trips like that probably wouldn't have been available to you anyway with, with the level that you were playing at with Kilkenny you were probably going to be in the championship when they were happening is that what it was or were they finished at that stage um just to be honest, I, I, I don't know when the trips used to go ahead. The matches used to go ahead in November, December time. So whether the trips went ahead at that time, I don't know. Certainly if they were available and I was able to go on them at the time, I definitely would have went all right. But uh, unfortunately, at the time I was working in the bank there, uh, there was no trips available at that time. And in a, in, a, in a much more general sense, uh, PJ, just to get your own opinion on it there, the, the GEA in the last couple of months have announced the new format of a split season. Um, just from your own perspective of when you were playing, is this a format that you'd like uh, as a player? And number two then, now as yourself looking at it, do you feel it's, as a club person, is it the right way to go with it? Or, or how do you see it working? What kind of pros and cons do you see for this? Sure, look, the, the, I suppose the pros of it are, you know, when you go back training, you're, you know, you're not training in January to play your championship in September, I suppose. That's, that's the pros for it. And we'll say you'll have your club lads or your county lads will be down training with you the whole time, you know. Uh, and look, it was, went to a vote and, and it was voted in the split season. So, you know, the majority voted for it. So, you know, people wanted it that way, you know. So, I never found a problem when I was hurling, especially to Kenny. We had a great system where, you know, you had your a couple of early matches in the league uh, with your club, and then you played your inter-county matches, and then you were back to the club for a couple of weeks, and you hurled a couple of matches there, and then you went on with Kenny, and then when the championship was over, then you were back to your club full-time. So we had a great system in, in Kilkenny, you know, so there was never a, there was never much of an issue uh, in Kilkenny when I was playing. So, you know, I was happy enough the way it was, but look, it went to a vote, and I mean, that was good season, and it's obviously what, what people wanted. Um, so, you know, it just means players will be going back training at a later time of the year, and they'll be hurling, you know, September, October, November, which, if you were going to the latter stages of a championship any year anyway, uh, you'll be hurling at that time of the year. So, look, I think it's good. It's good for players that are not training a whole year long, uh, and, and that, you know, you might go back training in, in June now instead of January, you know, so it can only be good for the for the players. And do you see any cons to it at all? Ah, uh, look, it all depends, like, what cons. You could be hurling in terribly bad weather, it's the only cons I would see. But look, once you're out hurling at all, you're, you know, I think lads are just happy to get going ahead, you know. Um, would, you, would you be worried, like, I, I know the club is going to be in the, the second half of the split season, I, I like the idea of the split season. I, I, I know this is going to sound terrible, but would it not have made more sense to play the club season first and then the county season? And I'll, I'll, give, I'll just give you two reasons that I think it would have been. Number one is the club pitches. 
the standard of the pitches in clubs, some pitches are wonderful, but not all pitches are. And, and, and the lack of kind of floodlights and whatnot for clubs for training at that time of the year, that's that would be one side of the argument to it. <clears throat> and the second side of it that I'd be a little bit nervous about is, or not nervous about, but county managers trying to pick teams. You could have lads lighting up a club championship early in the year that maybe sneak into a county panel, but instead it's, it's the county panel are going to be getting to play first. So, you know, there's some club players that m- won't get their chance to shine till after the championship and then you have to hope that their form carries them into the following year. Yeah, look, for I suppose, I think that's the way it always was, really. You know, you had to show up well in the in the club championship, maybe, say, this year to get invited in to training for the county team next year. So I think in that respect, um, you know, that's that's the way it always was. And that's, you know, so if you're showing good form in your club, Maybe this year, you know, you could get called in for a shot at the county the following year, you know. So I think nothing has really changed in that sense, uh, to be honest, you know. Um, look, pitches, club pitches around Kilkenny anyway, I, I don't think there's that. I couldn't even think of one bad one, you know, to be honest with you. So maybe in other counties the pitches aren't as good. So I think in Kilkenny anyway, we're, we're rightly set up for the split season, you know. Um, if you go down to any pitch now, the grounds went down there. If you, if you walked across it even, They'd give out to you now. So the pitches are well looked after. So uh, there'll be plenty of time to play the matches. You know, the championship didn't start in earnest in Kilkenny really until until September, maybe two weeks after the All-Ireland and was held in September. So from that point of view, I think nothing has really changed, you know, and you're going to be hurling in the same conditions as you were a few years ago. So, look, I don't see anything wrong with the way it's set up now, you know. So, look, I think over the last couple of years and the way things have been I think if you were told you were going hurling on Christmas Day now, I think that would be just the right about any day to play, to be honest about it now. And one of the things that's very topical in the news at the moment is with with the whole split season you've obviously had the Ladies Gaelic Association have went with the split season the, the, the hurling and footballers have went with it but the Camogie Association went against it and, and, and came out with a different format. Have you looked at any of that yourself at the moment? I'm sure you've seen it in passing what's going on. Yeah, look at I. I I saw it in passing the other day where the, the Camogies were, were talking about going on strike. And that's really all I saw of it, to be honest with you. And for only yesterday, someone was saying the Camogies didn't go, even though the, the ladies' daily football did. So, uh, look, I suppose that's their own right, and, and that's the way they want to go. Like, you know, they're probably they're, they're perfectly entitled to, to do what they want to do, I suppose. You know, it's, it's, I tell you, it's just the only thing I found a bit strange on it was that went to a vote to the players as well and 82% of them voted in favour of a split season and 18% voted not to go with a split season and then the okay. association decided to go to not go with a split season and the, 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 I, I tell you, it's just something that comes up very regularly with us is, well, first of all, probably if you're not going to listen to the vote, don't have a vote um, because, you know, you're only going to cause an argument when a vote's that heavily one-sided and you don't go with it but the second one is I don't know if you even have an opinion on this but like all these associations are all operating on the like the ladies association um, for the football the camogie association are two completely separate bodies and they both work out of a body that's not associated with the GEA the GEA is a completely separate body as well so there's there's three bodies there like the GEA looks after the men's football in hurling and then you've the Ladies Football Association and, and, and the Camogie Association. Would it not make more sense for all of these to come in under one umbrella and, and, and operate together like these? the Players Association have done that? Yeah, Mr. Look at it. I tell you now, I 
not something I really would have ever of of uh, thought about. Really, to be honest about you, so I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to give rightly a, a good opinion or a good answer to the to the, to the argument. To be honest with you, now, um, you know, it's just that we're dealing now with the same players, so you know that's the only the only thing I could say that there'd be you know, maybe a bit of conflict sometimes. There might be a football game and a smoggy game, you know, and they'd be clashing with the same players, you know. But other than that, like I, I wouldn't know enough about it to probably comment on it. No, no, it's it's a hundred percent. No, no, it's fair enough. We're we're coming up towards the end there, so I'll be able to take you off a noose there now in a second, so you don't have to, no, to, to, no, to no, panic no. too much. But I just wondered when it came to the end of your intercounty career, PJ. Like you know, at what point did you decide it yourself that you know this? I'm, I'm going to call it a day here now. I'm going to retire. And 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 what was the process that went around that? Ah, look to be fair. I suppose I haven't had a good year in 2010. I did okay in the league. I wasn't good in the championship. Uh, the following year, then I suppose I wasn't making the wasn't making the team, you know. And Dave Harrow was in, in in goal, and he was after having an outstanding year. And then you had an outstanding goal, young goalkeeper coming up, uh, oh Murphy behind him, you know. So to be fair, I was gone from number one really down to number three. So like I was never going to get a a game with the two boys in the farm they were in. So, look, what I had spent since 1999 on the Kilkenny panel. So, um, you know, I, I had no regrets about going. You know, I was after achieving a lot and getting to do things that most lads could only dream about. You know, so, look, I was very, very happy. I was after having a, a great career. So, you know, just the top process was, look, the two boys are, are, there, are the new goalkeepers now and it's, Time to let them battle it out for the for the number one, really. And at the, at that point, then you just you know had the chat with Brian, and then you said you'd focus on your own club career then for a while, is it? Yeah, for sure, look, like said from Brian met and we had a chat, and he thanked me for my service, and I thanked Brian for giving me the chance, you know. And uh, you know, I went home then and put on the gear and went down to training for the Fenians, and that's that's how it happened. No, a hundred percent. But and when you look back on, on on your time at the intercounty team, is it is it two thousand and nine? Is 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 the moment that that stands out most here? Is there is there another time in it, or is there a, is it even just a jet an era? I suppose the four in a row things like that. What what would be if we were sitting down having a pint and I said to you, what was what was that the greatest day for PJ? I tell you now, the very first day Brian Cody rang me and asked me to come in and on the panel. I suppose. That was the that was probably the greatest day and is the one that um, sticks with me the most because I suppose if he never had given me that phone call, I'd never have got to experience any of the rest of it. You know? So the day I got the phone call to come in, even to have a, a trial match was was probably the greatest uh, thing that I can remember about about everything in my career anyway. Um, and before I switch off, with James McGarry, when you came in there at that stage, how, how was it working with James? Uh, sure, look, James is a a gentleman and an outstanding goalkeeper and you know sometimes you read about rivalries between goalkeepers and which is we, James couldn't help you out enough and give you advice and always be you know if you were going well he'd tell you you were going well you know and if you were going so well he'd always come over and have a word with you and you know work hard with you you know to get you back into farm you know so I couldn't speak highly enough of James and he was a, an outstanding goalkeeper and you know he was he was very easy work with and, no, um, I, 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 I was so lucky that that he was there at the time because he really improved me as a, as a goalkeeper. 
it's 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 always one of the moments in 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 Hurland that I always remember, and it's it was a poignant thing as well because James is having such a a, a terrible year. And um, was in two thousand and eight when 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 you switched, um, in the game it was it you know Brian had been known for being a guy with steely kind of thing that you wouldn't be letting it, but it was that must have been a. A, lo- a lovely moment as well for for James to go back out onto the field to play after all the the tragedy he'd had in that year. Ah yeah, look for you see the reception James got when he was coming. I always tell him that I was getting the reception for going off, but uh, you see how popular James was with the supporters. And look, he you know he came in to the All Ireland final, you know, and another appearance for McKenney, so it was great. And I didn't, you know, I was getting ready to out the ball or whatever, and I. Heard the commotion on the sideline, and I seen James uh, getting ready to come in. And you know, normally you'd be like a dog coming off, but I was actually, you know, you'd be actually delighted for to be going off and for James to come in and get the reception that he got. You know. Yeah, no, it was, and and of course, you know, that was that was such a sad time and such a hard time for him. But it was, it genuinely was, it was a lovely thing, and it kind of reminds you what it's about the whole the GA family and things like that. I'm going to I'm going to let you off, but you have to give me your honest answer to the following six questions, and it's just literally simple. You just give me the name, and that's it, and we move on. There's no problem. There's nothing, nothing to worry about. So, first question is really simple: tea or coffee? Tea. Uh, managing genius: Davy Fitz or Brian Cody? Brian. TJ Reid or Henry Shefflin? Oh, oh, Jim. Henry. Henry Shefflin or DJ Carey? Henry. Noel Hickey or JJ Delaney? Uh, Jeff, he's my brother-in-law, so I may say JJ. <laughs> <laughs> and David Herty or Owen Murphy? Ooh. Uh, Owen Murphy. Brilliant. PJ, you've been absolutely brilliant to chat to. You've been so open and honest with us. We really, really appreciate you taking out the time to chat to us today and I, and I wish you all the very best with all the development work that you're going to be doing over the next number of years and especially over the next couple of months with all the kids getting back out into the field to play it's been an absolute joy to chat to you today No problem Eddie thanks for being that's brilliant. That is, of course, PJ Ryan, former Kilkenny goalkeeping and, of course, goalkeeping legend at that, joining me this week on The Clash Act. I look forward to speaking to you all again next week where I will have another hurling legend. And that was The Clash Act and this podcast was brought to you with thanks to Morrissey Motors, Kilkenny's main Peugeot dealer. I look forward to talking to you all again next week. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors Waterford Road Kilkenny today.